we're going to back up, read the first five verses, and then we'll get into the uh, the studying the content uh, when we get into verse six. So uh, Jesus praying for himself in verse one says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So that's a, it's a, Beautiful prayer uh, that the Lord was praying uh, for himself. And when you read through and uh, you understand that his focus was glorifying the Father. And uh, he's talking about salvation that would, <clears throat> that would come. And that people would come to know uh, eternal life. And that eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ. Is knowing God. That, that itself is eternal life. That our eternal life started at that point, right? Where it's not like like we're going to continue on because we've been saved. Our eternal life has already started. We've already started in that that walk with the Lord. And when we breathe our last here, we'll breathe our next with Him. And our our relationship with Him obviously is going to to be uh, just changed in a, in a wonderful way, but we've already started. We, like we, we're not going to experience, those that have faith in Christ aren't going to experience a spiritual death. Our spiritual life uh, is go, has started, and uh, we have life in Christ, and we're going to walk with him uh, in eternity. So we, we have that, uh, that peace of knowing that as we move forward in our life. So we, we just uh, read the Lord's Prayer for himself, and in verse 6, uh, Jesus begins to pray uh, for the disciples. Now, this is an intercessory prayer uh, that, the, uh, that Jesus, as our, our high priest, was offering uh, to uh, the, the Father on behalf of the disciples. And then we'll see uh, later on that he prays for all believers, which includes every single one of us sitting here that has placed our faith and trust in Christ that we see that God the Son actually prayed for us. And uh, if that doesn't blow your mind, uh, I don't know what will. But uh, so let's, let's look in the, we're going to read uh, the, the entirety of um, what is being uh, prayed here, uh, verses 6 through 19. And then we'll, we'll go back and, and study it. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. They, uh, you gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now they have known all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, 
keep through your name those whom you have given me, and uh, that they may be one as we are. While I was uh, with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because uh, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the Holy One. From, sorry, from the evil one. Uh, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them uh, by your truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world. I also have sent them out into the world. And as for their sakes, and for their sakes, I sanctify them. Sorry, I sanctify myself uh, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So I'm going to push through. I've got a migraine. So hey, just if I'm messing, you guys know I, I jumble words anyways, but uh, it's a little little bit different. Just bear with me, okay? So we'll, we'll get through it, I promise. Unless, uh, uh, no, I'm not even going to say a joke there. Uh, the Lord's going to carry us through our study this morning. So so uh, the disciples are hearing this prayer, and, and no doubt this emboldened them and uh, encouraged them and uh, this is something for them to hear before his crucifixion, his death, and his ascension. So uh, it's no doubt a powerful thing for them uh, to hear this. You know, they had uh, just heard the Lord speaking, and what we have recorded in the last uh, three uh, chapters are uh, are uh, the Lord preparing them for his departure. And, and I know I've said it uh, uh, several times, but it uh, comes into... This this high priestly prayer that he says uh, that he that he's that he's doing right now in John chapter seventeen that uh, as they heard all these heavy things that that he was going to be leaving they weren't going to be having Jesus with them all the time and uh, you know weeks back we discussed okay if we're walking around we know we're literally just walking and we have Jesus physically with us what would we fear you know just think of what these guys had had. Uh, witnessed in in their lives, they had witnessed being in a boat with a raging storm, and Jesus just you know they're waking him up like, oh Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus stood up and rebuked the storm, and it all stops. You know they had experienced some powerful things in their lives, and they had that 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 uh, assurance that as long as Jesus with us is with us, we're fine. And then Jesus spends our last three chapters preparing them for his departure, that he's going to be leaving. But he doesn't say, hey, guys, I'm gone. He says things are going to be a little bit different. When I leave, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the helper to be here with you. And that's the Holy Spirit so that we know as Christians, we, as we begin our relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. And then we are, are taught by him and we're built by him. And then what he does is he does a sanctifying work, which we're going to talk about. And he starts cleaning out our lives. He starts filtering out our lives and strengthening us spiritually. So these guys are learning these things that Jesus is going to be gone. He's gone, that there's a helper coming. They know that that uh, one of them is going to betray them and that Peter is uh, going to deny Christ. So he spends those three, uh, those three chapters 
preparing them for what's coming ahead. And after he prepares them and he gives them the words that they need, he goes into prayer. Now, they were used to seeing Jesus pray. They were used to spending time with Jesus praying in specific places. And we'll see that when we get to chapter 18 next week. But what we're seeing here is that they are experiencing Jesus praying for himself, for them, and then those that are going to hear them, which includes us here. So these guys, uh, and we'll get into that, that part of the prayer here in, in a few minutes, but these guys are now hearing Jesus Christ pray for them specifically. And uh, it's a pretty in-depth prayer, obviously. And uh, when the Lord starts in verse 6, he says, I've manifested uh, your name to them. That's to, to make openly known. I've made it uh, openly known, your name. And uh, that these guys here are now uh, disciples of Christ. They've been called out of the world. They've been sanctified and ordained by Christ. And, and they had left uh, all to follow him. So in uh, in crisis uh, through this prayer that uh, they were given to Christ by the Father, and uh, they have Jesus says that they have kept your word. You know, to be effective ministers, if we ever want to share the word of God, and and I'm not saying from up here uh, any type of pulpit or anything like that, we have to be uh, connected to the Lord. We have to be properly abiding in the vine to be able to properly relay His word. We can't. Uh, just get a couple snippets, not live the way we should, and then point to other people saying, yeah, the scripture says this, and, and if they don't see that in our lives, are we going to have an effective ministry? No. You know, if we say, yeah, the Bible says this, and they might look at us and say, then why don't you live by it? You know, that's that's that abiding. It's so important. So when the Lord says that they have kept your word, it's not, it's, it's, it's not that we're just called to know the word, it's to keep the word also. We have a responsibility, once we've heard the word, to keep the word, to be obedient to it. We have to. We have to live in obedience to the word if we think we're going to please God uh, and if we want to uh, to uh, live a life of, of victory over sin and, uh, and uh, have the Lord bless us, we have to be obedient to his word. You know, they were obedient to Christ's commands and they were following him. And uh, that when the Lord says in this prayer that they uh, they have uh, no they have known the words that you have given me are from you, so you know they're equipped by the Lord through the experiential training that they uh, they had been with the Lord firsthand, uh, and they had firsthand accounts of His teaching and of His works, and uh, they knew that uh, they knew Jesus and, and believed in Him as as the Messiah. So uh, when you take a declaration like Peter made and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God in Matthew chapter 16, that's a powerful declaration. That's uh, when something like that happens, that means that what they had experienced, what they had heard had bring, brought them to a believing faith in Christ. And when uh, Christ is saying here, they have known the words that you've given me are from you. You're the, the Christ, the son of the living God, right? There wasn't a question. Well, we think you might be. You know, those things, when they when they came to that that understanding, uh, that declaration was made and they were following him uh, as the Messiah. Now, uh, an interesting thing you'll see in verse nine says, I pray, uh, I do not pray for the world, but for those that you've given me, for they are yours. That's uh, uh, if you're kind of looking at that out of context, you may say, well, Jesus doesn't care about the world. 
But when you look at it in a proper context, he's specifically praying for those that are going to be promoted, I guess you could look at it, from being dis uh, disciplined to being disciplined in a specific teaching to being uh, then sent out, to being apostles, sent ones. So uh, when, when Jesus is praying, he's praying that the Lord would prepare them for what they have ahead. You know, yes, Jesus died for the sins of the world and for those that uh, that accept him. But this is a special prayer for the disciples that are soon to be sent out to be uh, apostles. And the Lord had been preparing them before that they will face intense persecution, rejection and murder. They were going to be murdered for their faith. And, and the Lord prepared them for that with his teachings. You know, they are uh, the fathers and, and will be commissioned for spreading the gospel for throughout the earth. That's we know that when you look at the Great Commission and, and they were sent uh, to Israel and uh, throughout the whole earth. For they are yours, Jesus said, for they belong to you, Father, they are yours. You know, there's a important thing as we're reading through this prayer that as we abide in Christ, he abides in us. It's, there's a lot of the, uh, the discussion here, like in verse 10, all of mine are yours and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. If you're reading and you're reading through fast, you might get a little confused, you know, with, with all those things. But if we if we take a step back and just kind of look at it and meditate on it, we uh, we understand that, uh, you know, our responsibility is to abide in Christ. He is going to abide in us. Uh, you know, he's the one uh, we need to seek to please. He's the one we need to follow. He's the one that draws us closer to him. It's all the Lord doing it. Right. That vine, as we abide in him, he's the one that does the work that nourishes us, that as we're getting the proper nourishment, as we're attached to the vine, then we produce good godly fruit. Right. Those those things that we discussed from from Galatians five, the fruits of the spirit. As we're connected to the vine, uh, we are going to properly point to the Lord and and, and glorify him as we should. Now, verse 11, Jesus says, keep through your name those whom you have given me. You know, believers are the Father's gifts to the Son, right? That we, we read that already in the prayer. And Jesus said that they may, may be one as we are. And uh, speaking of a unity that is needed there. Now, uh, in Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, I wanted to share something here. I've been to some uh, pastors' conferences, men's conferences, and I've always been blessed by uh, a specific portion of the scripture that we end up repeating to each other during these uh, during these uh, conferences. And uh, we'll, we'll look at them really quick. Hopefully it's up. Yeah, it says uh, uh, verse 22 of number six says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, say to them, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord uh, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. You know, when the Lord says in verse 11, keep through your name those you have given me, that keeping of the Lord, that, that we would bless each other. You know, when when we're when we're uh, hey God bless you right when when we say those things what we want is uh, we're not hopefully uh, saying that I remember when uh, my wife and I uh, first got to a point where uh, we started saying I love you 
<laughs> you know, you know that that time, right? If anybody who's been married, if you ever been in love with somebody, that you don't want it to become. We discussed this. We don't want it to become like a tape recorder where it's like, "Love you, love you, love you, love you," but it, but it actually meant something. That I love you. That that if this is the last thing you hear from me, that you know that I love you. And that when we would bless each other with something like this in, in verse 24 of number six, where it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's a wonderful blessing or prayer that we would, as we're talking, we're asking God. It's, it's, it's like a prayer that's being said. Even though we may not have our eyes closed and our heads bowed and those things, we're asking God. So when we're saying, God bless you, we're, we're, we're saying, may God keep you. Uh, we don't, there, there's no greater one to keep us uh, than God. There's, there's no greater protection. There's no greater guidance that we could pray for somebody and, and to pray for one another than God bless you. You know, the Lord bless you. The Lord, may he keep you. May he give you that peace that, uh, that surpasses all understanding. Uh, you know, that he would make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I know we can all uh, experience uh, and, and need grace. We need it every single day of our lives. There are times where we need a whole bunch of it, right? We're like, Lord, I really messed up. I just, just, uh, can I have a triple helping of this? You know, whatever, whatever was measured out for this, just keep pouring it on me because I need your grace. I need those things. So that's, I, I wanted to share that because that's, um, as we've departed from, uh, usually it's the East Coast Pastors Conference that anybody who's been there, you know what I'm talking about. We'll turn and we'll face each other. And on one side, you know, the Lord bless you and may he keep you. And I think it's this verse or something similar to it. But I'm so blessed by it that we'll say say, uh, say this verse and then they'll repeat it to us. It's a powerful thing. And you kind of have to get past the, the, the um, you, you really do have to get past your pride and be able to make yourself a little vulnerable and say that. But once you say it, you're like, all right, you know, it, it, I, that, that discomfort of, of repeating something together. And it's not like this big religious thing. That, that we're moaning it in some different, you know, anything like that. We're just pro, we're proclaiming a blessing of the Lord on each other before we're about to spread apart, right? You know, some people are going to go down to Florida and all the way up in, here into Maine. And, you know, that the whole East Coast, there's, there's I don't know, 1,200 people there. And it's powerful when you when you hear that. In, in, uh, being, it's, we do it in a song and we're saying singing that to each other. That, that blessing that the Lord would keep us. Uh, you know, when the Lord is praying to the Father that uh, keep them through your name, uh, keep through your name those whom you've given me. That's a, that's a powerful thing that he's praying for us. And, and uh, we know that there's a unity that is needed uh, within the church, and we're going to discuss that here soon. But specifically, uh, with the disciples, this prayer is specifically for the disciples, though, that they would be united, that these 11 people that are still with Jesus are going to, and, and as we've discussed before, they're, God's going to use them to turn the world upside down. God's going to use them as they're preaching what they've seen and what they've heard in freedom in Christ, that 3,000 people, 5,000 people are getting saved after each lesson. I mean, talk about an effective ministry. What I love about it is there's no uh, there, there's no glory to be stolen there. You can't say, yeah, we had a great advertising and marketing plan. Pastor had great clothes on. We had good lighting. We had fog. We had all this stuff. 
None of that junk mattered at all. And it still doesn't matter. None of that junk matters. Nothing. I mean, yes, should I, you know, be clothed and, and have, you know, not all dirty and sooty? Well, even if I was, who cares? You know, if I just had a long day at work and I fell in the mud at work or whatever and I didn't have time to shower, I'm here. God's still going to bless us. If we're ashamed of that, then that's our pride. But I love that there, there's, there's no glory to be had for man, that these guys that were fishermen, they, they didn't have anything. They were just common guys or tax collector, you know, just, and God just changes them and uses them. So as he's praying this prayer, we know, we see, what's really cool is these guys saw the prayer, saw it and heard the prayer, and then they had to kind of live out their lives. And we can like read back and look and see what God did through them. And we're reading their words. So there's, that's a, that's a, a crazy thing to consider as we're going through and, and studying this. Just, just know in verse 11, when he prays that, that, that the Lord is the one that sustains us and keeps us in him. You know, and, and how are we sustained? By the power of the Spirit in our lives, who's helping us to abide in Christ, to abide in the vine. I um, had the ability, I had the, the blessing of listening to a young man on Thursday night at Wave Escape. He uh, came down and shared his testimony, pretty powerful testimony. Uh, and uh, he'd never shared it before. We learned that after, and he, he did it very well, very well spoken, and he just shared how the Lord saved him you know, from a very powerful drug addiction that had taken everything in his life. And uh, right at the uh, the end of the discussion, he's about to leave. I think it was me and you, Oliver, that were talking to him right before he was leaving, and the Lord just laid on my heart, tell him to abide in Christ. So I just said, hey, you know, that's, I mean, and everybody here, we're all very accustomed to that. You know, what was the, the biggest encouragement Will ever gave us over the 20 years that I was here? Abide in Christ. So it's no surprise that's coming up in my, in my mind. That's the, the best thing that I could, I could tell a Christian is to abide in Christ. If they're not a Christian, then they don't know what that means. But when somebody is and they're following the Lord, the most important part of our lives is abiding in Christ. That, you know, just, just following him, knowing his word and, and obeying it. That's the best thing we can do as a Christian. That's what's going to bring us uh, to a maturity in our lives is obeying the word of God. And how do, as we obey, we're abiding in the, in, the, in the vine. It's very important. Verse 12, uh, he says, none of, these, none of them lost. He's explaining none of them were lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. The important things to realize about Judas, he was not a saved man. Judas was not a saved man. He, when Jesus said that, when, when he was explaining in uh, John chapter 6, verses 70 and 71, Jesus answered and said to them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Judas was not a believer. He was, he was not a saved man. Jesus described him as a devil. So the weirdness that there was actually a book called, um, was it the, the, um, the Gospel According to Judas or something like that? Uh, do you remember when that came out a few years ago? And it was trying, there was this, this thing, I believe, straight out of hell that was trying to rock the world. Oh, the Gospel According to Judas. Judas went and hung himself. His entrails fell out. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of good news to share, did he? You can't say the good news, you know, according to the guy that was 
uh, a devil, as Jesus said, and and that was overcome by what he did and tried to return the 30 pieces of silver and uh, went in, in, in his guilt and in his sorrow because he rejected Christ, you know, went and hung himself. That's not a guy that you want to listen to good news. I'm not going to be like, yeah, I can't wait, can't wait to read and, and uh, learn how to live my life after, you know, that guy. No, absolutely not. Somebody who's in submission to Christ, yeah. Yeah, I'll read the book. I'll, you know, somebody, we're reading it right now. You know, John was right there for all of this. He's one of those that's being prayed for. I'll listen to that. The gospel of Judas, or I can't remember what they called it. That's foolishness. No, you know, he was not a saved man. Jesus said he was the son of perdition, which means man doomed to destruction. That's not the dude we want to listen to. That, hey, I'm going to go, you know, get my faith sharpened. No, no, we don't want to listen to anything that guy has to say. God's already given us his word. The, uh, the, when Jesus in the second part of this says uh, that the scripture might be fulfilled, uh, the scripture being fulfilled is something that we can build our faith and lives upon. You know, when we know the scriptures has spoken to us and, and God is, is working, then we can base our faith, base our, our lives on what the scripture has to say. You know, when, when we consider verses like Isaiah 55, 11, you know, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It goes, uh, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall uh, prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That the Lord sends out his word, he declares what he's going to declare, and it's going to accomplish what he wants it to, to accomplish. It doesn't return to him void. When you can look at something like Psalm 138, verse 2, it says he honors his name above, uh, his word above his name. You know, his, his word has something. So that, it, that the scripture might be fulfilled, what is written might be fulfilled, the word of God. That when that that might be fulfilled, we can uh, if if there's ever been uh, a, a doubt in our lives whether we can trust the Bible to make a big decision. You know, should I do this or should I do that? And uh, whether we can uh, we can look at the Word and go, is this really going to speak to me? Absolutely. Just the Lord is going to. Uh, one thing I would encourage you is to have our our, our daily devotional time with the Lord. And how many times, uh, brothers and sisters, that, that we've been in that devotion, have you gone, there's the answer. There it is right there. I've been worried about it all week, and, and I've been you know, trying to you know, just ask God for forgiveness for how much I've been worried about this thing, and the Lord brings us right to the verse and, and speaks to us. It's almost like you're sitting down maybe having coffee, and the Lord's sitting across from us saying, I told you, right? Why are you fretting? Why are you scared? What? Just the, the word is right here. It's what we need. I told you. This, these are the things you can trust in my word. So, so when Jesus says in verse 12, none of them uh, lost except, that the, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled, just know that if, if it's something is written in the scripture, it will come to pass. Now, we can look at that in an end times uh, a glance, you know, if we're looking at it through, excuse me, through the, the lens of end times, I mean, there's a million verses. You could just start pulling things out and be like, whoa, okay, Daniel said that knowledge is going to increase and many are going to travel to and fro. And you think of, you know, God's word that that was written thousands of years ago. And, uh, you know, people can look at certain things, but can it really be argued that transportation has, has never increased more than it has in many of us's lifetime? We can jump on a shuttle that's going to go to the moon if you have enough money. 
When has that ever been a thing? Right? If you if you've got I don't know billions of dollars, whatever it costs, a couple million dollars, you can jump on the little shuttle there, get shot up to the moon, and you know go up and do whatever in outer space, and then come back. That we that I, I just remember you know just talking to the girls recently about travel, and and we were talking about time differences and stuff, and you know Jen and I would jump on a plane one day, and and by the end of the day we're in we're on the other side of the world. You know, we'd go from uh, New Hampshire all the way over to Italy. And we get there, and it's kind of, I don't know, they're, yeah, they're ahead of us. Uh, so, you know, it might be later on in the day or whatever, but it's crazy. You know, think of way back then, you know, you got to get onto a ship. And that was how they, I mean, even up until the last couple hundred years, right, that's how they, how, I mean, everything's going to be shipped. You know, you think of Maine's logging history. You know, how did the logs get down, you know, to, uh, you know, further down south? They'd throw them in the river and they'd, they, they just float down there. You know, now we got trucks, big high powered truck, you know, running them down. You know, the, the fact that, that we have all these things, you know, think of the, the end, uh, like, if, if you just consider something as simple as travel and how many will travel to and fro. We got flights everywhere, right? We got everybody jumping in cars and they're driving wherever they need to go. You know, and, and when you think of these days' journeys and these months' journeys that we look at in the scripture, oh, yeah, yeah, about 20 minute ride, drive for, you know, days' journey. Yeah, cool, let's go. Go up to Bangor and, you know, do what we got to do. Think of that, you know, when the scripture's talking about many will travel uh, to and fro and then knowledge will increase. I mean, think of think of the technology we have when we grab our phone. You know what what we can find. You know, I was driving by the Bangor Library recently, and I was talking to my wife, and we're kind of looking. I'm like, "Is that still open?" I saw a bunch of signs of like that that it was implying that you know there was space available in there, and I was like, "Oh wow!" But I don't know anybody who says, "Yeah, you know, I went over to the, the the library today." It just doesn't happen anymore. We have all those things available to us. There's so much more about the, the increase in travel and in, in technology that, that we can spend a whole lot of time there. But what we're seeing, as Jesus said in, in verse 12, that, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I know that's talking in context about, uh, about Judas, but the scripture will be fulfilled. There's, there's, let there be no question about that. What the word says is going to happen is going to happen. You know, we can do everything we can uh, to try to contradict that or anything. And it's just going to be a frustration, you know, that the, the, the scripture might be fulfilled. So uh, just, I just want to encourage you, if you're going to uh, question something, don't question the word of God because it's always going to uh, prove to be true and fulfill itself. Verse 13, Jesus is praying for the disciples to have his joy. And we talked about joy being a fruit of the spirit. And uh, that it would be evident uh, as we abide in him. Verse 14 is speaking that they had received the word. The word is all we need. You know, the, the spirit will teach us. As we're if, we're if we're sitting down by ourselves with our Bible, there are sometimes things that are hard to understand. You know, the spirit is going to speak to us. He's going to teach us. We may not re really understand at that point, uh, that that right at that point, but if you pray, he'll open our eyes. You know, he's not limited. 
Like, oh yeah, hey, wait, you got to go back. You got to buy this this commentary. Once you get to the commentary, then you'll understand. The spirit can give us much better commentary than any man or woman can. Uh, just encourage you with that. The Lord is speaking uh, as He's continuing here that the world hated them because they were different. You know, they they were not of the world. James 4.4 4 says, Adulterers and adulteresses do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. These guys didn't consider themselves friends of the world. They had their best friend, Jesus, and they were walking around with him. They had, for, uh, had forsook all, and they're walking with him. And Jesus is saying that uh, he even goes on to say that just as he is not of the world, that's quite a change in them. You know, to go from, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Just go away from me. You don't want anything to do with me. To now Jesus. Now, that's a compliment, right? That If there's a compliment we want, that's one of them that I'd love to have the Lord say. He's not of the world, just as I was not of the world. That's pretty powerful. That's, that's something to meditate on. You know, as they walked with him and they spent time with him and, and they were hearing his word, he was conforming them into his image. He was changing them. Romans 8.29, you can look and, and see how the Lord does that conforming work in us. You know, it, it just, just consider that, um, you know, what is being said of these apostles when they had been with, with Christ. Remember in Acts chapter 4, when there's confusion, who are these guys? They're untrained, they're uneducated. Who are these guys, right? And, uh, and what was the, the consensus? What did they come to? With Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Christ. They were Christians. They were followers of Christ. So, so when he says, just as I am not of the world, as they're spending time with him, they're hearing his teachings, they're believing him, they're following him, they're being obedient to him, he's changing their lives. And that change is so evident that when they're standing in front of the religious leaders, and the religious leaders are trying to figure out what's going on with these guys. They're not trained, they're not, they don't have the education. I didn't, they didn't go to you know, a scripture school with them, or, or whatever they would call it back then. To seminary or whatever they didn't go through those things but then they realized that they had been with jesus and that was what made all the difference wait a minute they these guys are acting like him they even say things like he does they're even preaching in his name so that it made all the difference in the world so when jesus said they are not of the world just like i am not of the world that came from them spending time with jesus we can spend the same time with Jesus. I've, I've shared this before, and I'll try to be short-winded about it, but I had a discussion with somebody at work. And uh, when I told them that I, was, um, I had uh, served in Washington as a youth pastor, and they were like, no, whoa, whoa, you mean a youth helper? I'm like, no, I, I was the youth pastor out there. Why? What's going on? Like, you couldn't have been a pastor. You haven't been to seminary. Oh, oh, okay. Well, why don't we call Peter and James and Paul and, uh, you know, bring all those guys. Well, not Paul, sorry. Yeah, Paul didn't go through Bible college or whatever you'd call it. But why don't we bring all those guys in and say, hey, where are your credentials? Oh, oh, you just hung out with Jesus for three years? Oh, yeah, sorry. All your ministry is invalid. It's a dumb way to look at things. That, that was, and I just, I just said that. I'm like, oh, so... All of the apostles, everybody. Oh, well, they had walked with Jesus. I'm like, and they wrote down his words. <laughs> like, that's why we have them, right? 
that's we'll see here as I if I can stay on track and not go down the rabbit trail too much. That was that was the thing that 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 was uh, the, the most important for them. It wasn't the fact, guys. Remember, these people were used to go out and heal people. Heal. They had healing powers. Remember when they got to the point, and I'm way ahead of where I'm going to be, and we'll talk about. I don't even know if we're going to get there today. We'll see. But uh, remember when they when there's some frustration happening, and James and John are like, "Hey, you want us to call fire down from heaven?" No, sons of thunder, shut up and sit over there and listen. Right? There's some just uh, stupidity there. That, that it would be evident that we had been with Christ, that, that we are not of this world, just as he was not of this world. Does that mean that, that we're all going to walk around without specifically a dwelling place? Some people are called to that. Other people aren't. You know, but, but as we're following him, as we're being obedient to him, he's going to make the changes he wants in our lives, and he's going to do the things he wants to do in our lives. Where were we? Verse 15? Somewhere around there? Yeah, verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus specifically said that they wouldn't be delivered, that you wouldn't rip them out of here, but while they're here, that you would keep them from the evil one. You know, when you consider uh, Matthew 16, uh, when I grew up uh, in the Catholic Church, I knew that prayer very well. The Lord, it's you know called the Lord's Prayer, and it, I would uh, encourage you to look at it as the model prayer. And because Jesus said, when he said that, he's like, when you pray, say this, pray like this, right? And he's explaining to them what prayer should look like, and he gives them that model, the outline of what our prayer life should look like, and what we should, how we should pray. And Jesus said, you know, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is an evil one, you know, for, for uh, the mocker that's going to say, oh, hey, you got good and evil. And, you know, you got, oh, you know, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. They're, I've seen those and I've, I, I, not necessarily that I've, they've been said to me, but I've seen or heard those things being said. You know that that there that this place here, we're just biological beings, and when the, we die, we're going to return to the earth because we're made up of the same seventeen elements that are in the dirt, and that that's it. That's the end of our lives. You know those things. That's a lie out of hell that we weren't created. It's crazy, and you guys know I've given a, a million different um, analogies or, or or evidences that uh, that are just our body. Uh, has uh, it's funny because yesterday I had my dog outside and and uh, and he's up to snow that he can't even walk in now right right you guys know and uh, he gets to the point where he's just like trying to turn around and he's having trouble he, you guys you guys know Coda he's been here he's grown a little bit since you've probably last seen him but he's to the point now where it's like up above his shoulders and you'll just see his head you know going through and everything he's he's in it and Jen and I were talking about something about him when he's hot, and, and Jen was just, she was just saying something. He's like, oh, he's all sweaty. And I'm like, I just joked. She knows dogs don't sweat. But I was giving her a hard time. I'm like, dogs don't sweat. She, she gave me a hard time back and everything. We sweat. Dogs don't have, just think of that we have a coolant system built in us. Like when we get too hot, that coolant system, when we get too cold, all that blood goes to where it's supposed to go, Right. And, 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 and that's why our, our fingers and our toes get cold. If we get too cold, all that blood gets. Our body understands what to do in certain circumstances, 
right? Oh, you're too hot. Well, oh, hold on. I'm just going to you know, emit some water on you so you stay cool. You know, the importance of hydration. So you look at how complex our systems are. They're, it, it, it's crazy. And for anybody to, the, to come up with a lie like that and say, no, you just kind of came together. Uh, those types of things come from the wicked one. It's not necessarily just a, a physical that, that we've got to worry about uh, being physically killed, but that the, our faith, what we believe in, would be attacked. Because if, if somebody can convince us that we were not created by a loving God, fearfully and wonderfully made, then they, they've got, okay, now I've got this, and I've got them questioning creation. Now I can move into here, and they're going to forsake their faith. Our enemy is looking. The scripture says that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy. And when Jesus says that he's praying that they wouldn't be taken out, but that you would keep them from the wicked one, keep them from the evil one. So uh, an important thing to understand for us as Christians, when we recognize the, the wiles of the devil, the fiery darts of the devil, you know, consider the armor of God that Galatians 6 speaks of. Or Ephesians 6. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mixing them up there. James 4 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We, have to, we, we can't just re resist the devil. Resist the devil. We have to, we have to go to God. We have to uh, turn to him. You know, re uh, submit to God. We have to go to God. And then uh, there's the power there to resist the devil and he will flee. It's not just on our own strength. We have those things. So when he says that, that you would keep them from the evil one. Now, uh, verse 17, we're definitely not getting through the rest of this. I didn't plan on uh, spending all that, but God's got a different plan. Verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I encourage all of us, get a Bible dictionary and grab your Bible and uh, do a study on sanctification. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize uh, the, the sanctification process for us here, but I encourage you to dive into your own study of sanctification being set apart for God because it's a powerful study. It's a powerful thing to look at. Grab You grab your Bible dictionary or uh, you know, I've got these books. You look at, at the, the desk at home. I've got a Bible dictionary. I've got a couple little commentaries that I like to use and one's like a, a Bible handbook. So I have a dictionary, Bible handbook, and a, a um, uh, chapter by chapter commentary of Warren Wearsby that I like. So I've, I, I go through. Those are usually my go-to's. And you start looking into sanctification, and you open up your Bible, if you have a reference Bible, just start following the verses. Write them down, what, what sanctification is. This, is. this is a powerful thing for Jesus to say, that sanctification, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So when he says, sanctify them by your truth, he's saying, sanctify them by your word, that you would set them apart or, or to be holy. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 30 and 31 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And that's as if to say, you know, um, that let them be in a state of, when, when Jesus says sanctification, that uh, the, the verse we just read where it says, uh, that there would be wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification being set apart. When Jesus prayed, sanctify them by your truth, that sanctification is let them be at a state of separation unto God, unto you, Father. 
that they would be separated. You know, if uh, uh, they're, he already said that they're not of the world just as he is not of the world. And we're, we're, we're called to be in this world, but not of it. Like he just said, prayed uh, in the verse before, you know, that they wouldn't be taken out of it. But while they're here, they're living a sanctified life. They're being sanctified. They're being uh, it changed. So the disciples learned firsthand what sanctification was, to be set apart to God because they saw Jesus. As they saw it as an example in him and they heard his word, the God had that sanctifying work in them. Now, uh, the sanctification, uh, as we're studying here, uh, typically uh, what you're going to see is it happens in three phases. There's uh, a justification at salvation. You know, there's uh, the uh, positional holiness uh, in Christ, uh, the beginning of the process. Once we, we come to the Lord in, in salvation, we've begun that we've been justified. We've been, uh, there's the, the funny play on words, justified, never sinned. We've been set apart. We've been made, the word justification means, or justified means, uh, made acceptable. We've been made acceptable in God's eyes uh, through Christ. So that positional holiness in Christ uh, is the beginning of our sanctification process. We've been sanctified. We've been saved. So it's not like, uh, okay, I've been saved, and uh, what happens now? Can someone just take it from me, or uh, can I can I do this or that? No, we can reject our faith. We can't be taken from us. So Hebrews ten ten says, uh, by that we uh, by that will God's will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So by God's will, uh, He has uh, sanctified us. Uh, because of the body of Christ. So when we're considering salvation, the first part of that, that sanctification, the first part's justification. We're justified uh, and sanctified because of the body of Jesus Christ, that it was offered for us once for all. Once we've accepted the Lord, the second part of, or phase of, of sanctification we're going to see is maturation, that we are maturing in our faith. Now, as we grow in our relationship with Christ, and how are we going to grow? Through his word and our obedience to it. You know, God uh, guides us to maturity. You know, he gives us a practical and progressive growth in our lives. Because of our condition, our, our position in life uh, with Christ, we stand holy in him and we grow and learn uh, what it is for the old man to be dead and the new man to be growing in Christ. So once we've been justified, then we mature. We, we are being matured by God as we walk with him through our lives. It's a lifelong process of progress with him. Now Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Is that up there? Yeah. Those who are being sanctified. So we're sanctified by Christ. We're saved and we're that justification uh, phase, if you if you want to look at it that way, and then there's the maturity that comes, that maturing where it says uh, in Hebrews 10, uh, 14 that we uh, for by one offering he has perfected those who are being sanctified. That that, that sanctification process, you know, we grow in the Lord uh, in spiritual maturity. Consider Second Peter three eighteen it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That growth, when, when Peter is writing that, Peter was a man that, that experienced that growth and spiritual maturity in his life. 
when he's encouraging the church that he's writing to, uh, in 2 Peter 3, uh, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that growth that needs to happen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And he's speaking of spiritual morality, but sanctification to him even in that. That there would be a mature a maturity in our lives that we're not going to fall into uh, these things in our lives. Second Timothy three verses six and six, sixteen and seventeen say, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, may be uh, complete." Thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we're in the word and we're letting the word correct us and and to build us uh, and and to change us. That that as the word is is, uh, bringing us to a point of maturity and as we're in it, we're uh, going to uh, find that it's profitable for, for doctrine. Something we can build our lives on for reproof. You know, uh, for for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the word is going to have its word. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, right? So when you're putting that all together and you start looking at what does that mean and how do, how do how does that make sense? Through the word of God, we are sanctified. We are changed. We're brought to maturity, set apart to God in every aspect of our lives. You know, God started the work. He will complete it. That's uh, as he he has justified us and he's bringing us to maturity. Understand a verse like Philippians 1 6 says, says being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of, of Jesus Christ. That's Phil. That's Will's favorite verse. Philippians 1 6 that we can build our lives that God has not done. He began that work in us. He is going to complete it. Right. He set us apart. He saved us. And now he's just bringing us into maturity and he's taking things out of our lives. This doesn't need to be here. This doesn't need to be here. But as he's sanctifying us by his truth, by his word, right, your word is truth. This is coming out. This is coming out. This is coming out. It's God that does the work. If we're discouraged, you feel like you're at a point where I just I can't get past this in my life. Continue in the word. Continue and ask him, Lord, would you would you prune that for my life? Would you would you help me that you know that I'm struggling here? I need to be stronger here. He's going to do that through his word. It's not like we shut the Bible and say, I'm going to figure it out myself and I'm going to go for a walk. And I'm going to I'm going to have to meditate on it and figure it out. No, the word is how we learn. That's that's how we're going to grow. We need to have the word with us. If we're going to go for that walk, take your Bible with you. When you sit down because you need a break, open the Bible up and look. And God is going to just continue reading where we were. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And what's going to happen from that is as God is, is bringing us to that and he's maturing us and he's, he's building us, we're going to find ourselves saying, I don't act like that anymore. I don't do that anymore. I don't say that anymore. Not because we're great, but because he's working in our lives. This isn't a part of my life anymore. Thank God that he saved me from this, and he saved me from that. You know, I'm set apart uh, to God for his glory. I'm a new creation in Christ. That old person is gone. That, that old, you know, the way I operated, that's all gone. You know, that's a wonderful message. That's a wonderful hope that we have to offer to anybody who doesn't believe. Say, hey, you want that all gone? Just come to Christ. You can be a new creation and bring them right to the scripture and show them. No, you can be made completely new. He's awesome. Finally, the third phase 
And just realize in in that he is faithful to complete it. God is not done with us. He's not finished. You know, you guys know that song. It was quite a few years ago. He's not finished with me yet. I think it was like a Matthew West song or something. Um, but he's not finished with me yet. He's not. So uh, just go to him and ask him, hey, Lord, would you take this out? You know, I, I don't want to struggle with that. I don't want to uh, doubt anymore. Would you, would you sanctify? Would you build me, bring me to that point of maturity in my life? The last part would be glorification when we're in God's presence. You know, that complete and ultimate holiness being in his presence. Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. First Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. The last verse to consider uh, as we're looking at this right now is First uh, John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We, don't, we may not know a whole lot of what it's going to be uh, like in that, that time of uh, where, where we have been uh, we're in a glorious uh, state because of uh, the work of the Lord in our lives. But we know that, that as the word is working in us, we're going to be positively affected uh, by the application of the word in our life. That after we've accepted the Lord, that he has that work in us to mature. Like I said, that study in sanctification, trying to condense that down into, into what we're discussing here is quite difficult. But I wanted to bring it those, those, that sanctification. Okay, now you're saved. Now the Lord's going to work and, do, and to bring us to a point of maturity. And then someday that glorification that we'll, we'll be with the Lord forever. You know, the application of the word. Jesus says, your word is truth. There is absolute truth. The word of God is that truth. You know, Jesus is the word. So Jesus is the truth. The truth isn't relevant. You know, oh, hey, you know, that, that's kind of a popular thing right now is what is truth? Oh, that's, hey, that's an interesting question. Let's talk about Pilate, you know, and when he, oh, what is truth? You know, walking out. You know, though, when you consider, uh, you know, that's a, that's an age old question. And uh, the answer literally was standing right in front of him uh, when he uh, when he asked that question. So understand with sanctification, his word saves us. His word sets us apart in this life that we may be with him for eternity. You know, sanctify them. So Jesus is praying that for the disciples. They had to go through a maturity process. Well, why would we think we're any different or that they were any different? You know, they had they came to that salvation point. They came to that point uh, where they're still now walking with the Lord and they've, they've grown in their maturity. And uh, and we know that as they laid their lives down for the Lord and they followed him, they were greeted by him in eternity. You know, Jesus set the perfect example of sanctification. Uh, for them, and we're going to wrap this up right now because he is holy and sinless. Uh, he had no need for salvation. You know, he fulfilled all the requirements that we might be saved. 
You know, Jesus taught them, he trained them, and he prayed for them. You know, these men, these men experienced some wonderful things in their lives. And they're about to face something greater than they could ever imagine, something that they had never faced in their lives. And they're going to have to do it without Jesus' presence there with them. But Jesus said, if I don't go, the helper, the comforter won't come. That comforter that when we were discussing last week, when when uh, Peter, they, they get beat and everything, and uh, I think it was Peter and John, they get beaten. What do they do? You know, they get told, don't you preach anymore in Jesus' name. And they that's the joy that the Spirit is the one there comforting them and helping them that gave them the ability to be able to celebrate, say, hey, we're counted worthy to, to suffer uh, in his name, that they were so blessed. You know, that doesn't come from just us. Jesus did an amazing work in these and these men, and we have the record of him praying for them next week. I thought we'd get there this week. I don't know why I did, uh, but we'll get there next week. We're not in a race here. We're, we're slow and steady. We want to we want to see what the Lord has for us. But the Lord did an amazing thing. You know, He taught them and He trained them, and and they got to hear Him praying for them, and He did that sanctifying work in them. And they were set apart from the Lord. And they did walk with the Lord uh, through the rest of their lives. And, and as they followed him, it cost most of them their lives. I think all of them. You know, you start looking at, you know, church history and look back and go, oh, that guy died for the Lord. That guy died for his faith. That guy died for his faith. That woman died for her faith. You know, the Lord is, uh, you know, he, he did an amazing work in them. And the world may look at it and go, oh, yeah, yeah, they followed Jesus and look what happened. Yeah, they changed the world. 2,000 years later, they've got millions of people on Sunday mornings looking at what God inspired them to write. You know, what can, you know, how many people can say that about their lives? As they lived lives set apart to God, God ministered, and he used them. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand with me and we'll pray? Oh, Father, thank you, Lord, that you carried us through this study, that you brought us... Uh, to this specific scripture of the Lord praying for those that he was about to send out. And understanding that these men, when they heard this, were no doubt encouraged, strengthened by it. Lord, let us be strengthened by it. We know that there is a special prayer offered for us that we're looking forward to discussing next week. But Lord, thank you for working in these men's lives. Thank you for your sanctifying work in them. You sanctify them by your word. And then use your word through them writing it to change the world, to change our lives. Oh, you're amazing, Lord. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. We pray that we would retain what we've learned this morning and help us, God, to take it with us. Be built. Live strong in you by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.